Great. Here we go. We are second last uh, sermon. I'm not going to say it's the last week. Oh. Uh, no, I'm not going to say it's the last week because you never know. The, the evangelist, evangelism one went for three weeks, so uh, this, this could be a surprise in store for you. Um, but we are on to shepherding family. So when it's fivefold, and this is number four of the five, so... It's good. I will just remind you the scripture that we are drawing this from. I mean, it's scattered all throughout the scriptures, but in particular, it is Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. And this is speaking of Jesus, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, that's us, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Obviously, in this, this is the ESV. It's an essentially literal translation. They say manhood because the audience was men, uh, it, but it's saying it's personhood. Okay, so all people. It's not just the fellas. They get to do this. It's all people. Um, but there we go. It's about maturing the body of Christ so that we can most effectively function as the body of Christ as the church together and out into the world. So that's the role of those five different kind of gift sets. So what is then a shepherd? You probably got a picture in your mind. Uh, a shepherd essentially is one who cares for sheep. It's a sheep herder, is all it is. Thanks for that insightful information, Brad. Um, it's deep, there's revelation flowing, I feel it, yeah. All right, uh, so um, Alan Hirsch, who's written a lot about this particular topic, uh, he, this is his kind of outline that he gives. He says, shepherds nurture and protect. They are caregivers of the community. They focus on the protection and spiritual maturity of God's flock, cultivating a loving and spiritually mature network of relationships, making and developing disciples. So that's the function and the role of the shepherd. We might, as, we've, as we do with a lot of the other kind of gifts, we might have a stereotypical picture in our mind. Uh, and I want to present to you that maybe there's a, a broader spectrum of what a shepherd is. And you might think, oh, I'm not really a shepherd. And then you'll discover, actually, I'm, uh, maybe I am a shepherd. Uh, and again, this series is, is all about how we relate as Christ to one another and to the world. So we need all five being formed in us. And at the same time, you might acknowledge I'm, you're, you're going to be more of one of the five than the others. And we want to kind of honour and, and breathe on that and pray for that and activate that in you as well. Amen? All right. So that's the, the positive element that shepherds give. But we also know that if the shepherd gifting is dominating or the culture of the shepherd is dominating too much, then that can cause unhealthy things. So... One of the unhealthy aspects is that shepherds can value stability to the detriment of the mission. So sometimes shepherds, they love for everyone to get along. Who loves this when everyone gets along? Yeah, I love that. Uh, and yet, <laughs> uh, I seem to always challenge uh, the status quo as well, so I'm, I'm in conflict with myself. Um, but like, I, I do love, like I just love good relationships. I like when people are getting along. I don't enjoy conflict. Um, and, but there's that sense of like, yeah, we're just, it's just good to get along and really healthy relationships that should be part of it. Not that there's never conflict, but it's that conflict that gets resolved because we press into relationship. We value relationship. We value connection over correction. We value, you know, being in righteousness rather than being right all the time. It's that sort of value. We want to do that. But if, it's, if there's too much of a shepherding culture, then sometimes when things need to shift, the shepherds can kind of get in the way and say, no, let's keep things all the same. Everything's functioning well. Don't, don't stir the pot. Yeah, don't shake the tree. Don't do anything that's going to upset people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also may foster an unhealthy dependence between the church and themselves. So again, and this is not just if we are unhealthy as a culture, but even if you might acknowledge, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm gifted as a shepherd. I have that real shepherd kind of pastoral heart. Uh, one of the issues that you can face is that you start to, um, if you're unhealthy, be position yourself in a way like you've got to care for everybody. And it's almost like you represent Jesus to an unhealthy degree. And this can produce codependency in relationships. This can produce a, a Messiah complex, like you've got to save everyone. This can produce over-responsibility. 
Okay, and dependence, not interdependence, that's the healthy. So there's dependence, independence, and then interdependence. That's how we should be in a relationship. We should be able to lean on one another and journey together, but not to the way where you create an environment where people have to depend on you. Okay, we don't want to create that kind of culture. Um, so that's as well part of the healing journey. If you're like, I feel like I'm a shepherd, you might need to be on a healing journey because potentially what you'll want to do is save every single sheep and not let any sheep stub their hoof, uh, you know, or get any prickles in their wool. Like you just, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but it's a trap because it's good to love people. It's good to care people. But if you over care for someone, you end up enabling them and actually creating unhealthy patterns for them. All right. So we want to be healthy shepherds if we're shepherds individually, and we want a healthy shepherding community. Yeah, where we're all maturing and growing. Remember, this, is, this whole Ephesians 4 passage is about maturing everyone. So we don't have the immature dependent upon the mature. Everyone is maturing to be more like Jesus. Amen? All right, so who is our example of a shepherd? As with all of the fivefold, Jesus is our example. I'm going to read a scripture for you, Matthew 9, 36 to 38. And it says, when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this is the time Jesus is going to spend time on his own. He sees this crowd of people and he has compassion on them. He's drawn to them because he sees them like these people are just, they're like sheep just wandering around the place. There's no one to shepherd them. There's no one to lead them. There's no one to, to guide them into the ways of my kingdom. There's no one to lead them towards me. And interestingly, this scripture is often used to, um, to speak of from an evangelistic perspective, isn't it? That's normally when we talk about, yes, yeah, send out laborers into the harvest field. Interestingly, some of the context here is actually the shepherd's heart. It's the shepherds that are doing that. So it's looking at, again, you might look at a community group. You might look at a, uh, a, a network of people that you're connected to. You could walk into your workplace and see the people in your workplace and those relationships and, and, and the Lord might stir in you a compassion for them. Not that they need to know Jesus, but man, they're they need to know Jesus, not so they can pray a prayer and one day go to heaven, but like they're just lost and, and wayward and they, they, they keep stumbling and they keep getting caught out and, and there's no one there to kind of, to nurture them and to, to lead them and to create a healthy environment and context. So again, so important that we understand that the fivefold is for us as a people to create healthy Christian community but it is absolutely to the same, maybe if not more degree, that the world might know, that the world might be shepherded. The world is like sheep without a shepherd. And so to understand, if you, if you feel like this bubbling inside, I think I'm a shepherd, maybe you've always known you've got that shepherd calling. You're not just called to the church because there are lost sheep. Yeah, there might be 99 in and there's one outside and that's the call of Jesus, like go out. But it's not just that you would go out as an evangelist, you might go out as a shepherd. So don't think I'll leave the evangelizing to the evangelist and I'll just shepherd the people in the church. No, no, everyone needs shepherding because everyone's a sheep, they're just lost. Everyone's a sheep, but they're just wayward and, and need to be brought back into the flock. Amen? All right, so Jesus is our example. And again, He was dr driven by compassion. Not by duty, not like, oh, these stupid sheep. He's, he's like, his heart was drawn to them. I, I, I have no doubt, maybe he might have thought that sometimes. You, you, you hear a tone of frustration sometimes when Jesus speaks, even to his own disciples. Um, but it, compassion drew him. That, that's that thing. It's, it's actually our heart connected to it. It's our emotions connected to it. It's okay to love people and desire the, the best for them. The issue is when we cross over too far and we become the Messiah rather than letting Jesus be the Messiah. Jesus is way better at being God than you are. <laughs> I had to break it to you. He's just, he does such a better job. Trust me. And there's also Hebrews 13 verses 20 to 21. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, 
working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus is the great shepherd. He is our ultimate example of what it means to shepherd people. Was Jesus over-responsible? No. He gave people freedom. He, 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 he revealed truth and he allowed people to choose. All right, so what is the role of the shepherd in a Christian community? Well, the first one is, is really caring for the sheep. So shepherds create that culture where people are cared for and nurtured. Who is glad that shepherds exist in the church? Absolutely. And again, even as we move from the apostle, prophet, evangelist kind of into the shepherd, teacher, gift set, um, if you look at shepherds and teachers, almost like those who... Um, who hold the fort, who, if, even if you're thinking in a military sense, like really, and that's part of what the church is, to be, a, to be a, a force for the kingdom, for God's glory, to be out in the world. But if, if like in a military kind of context, you, it's not, if you just had soldiers, um, that's good, but you also need like cooks and you also need medics and you also need all of that support network that actually cares and nurtures for those who are on the battlefield. Okay, if you just have soldiers, someone gets wounded, then they're going to be left to die. It's going to be really hard to, to battle when there's no food in your belly. You know, so there's, there's these forms that, but really shepherds and teachers help to maintain the, the community of God. So as the church grows, as the kingdom expands, as those enter in, they're able to come into a place. And inevitably, if you've spent any time in the world, you've probably been hurt. You've probably been wounded. You've probably uh, faced some difficult challenges in life. You've probably experienced some trauma. You probably uh, have believed some things that aren't true. So as you come in, it's like you then have to go through that transformation process and shepherds and teachers are really great at that because they're gonna help to heal. You're gonna lead you with Jesus to heal those wounds. And they're also gonna bring a new measure of revelation so you understand what is truth versus the, the lies that you may have been believing. Okay, so it's really, really important. But they don't necessarily, if we have all shepherds and teachers, then it's kind of the church sits around kind of waiting for the broken to come. <laughs> Where are those who need revelation? Uh, and the issue is, and I, I won't get into the fullness of all of this, but the church, the modern church that exists in the Western world has been primarily made up of shepherds and teachers, which is kind of why kind of congregations can grow but communities stay the same. I mean, they've done studies in the US looking at the mega church and they've seen where some of the largest churches are in cities and yet the crime rate can be even worse in those places. Like the culture hasn't shifted, the kingdom hasn't come because those kind of apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic gifts aren't out there producing and generating kingdom expansion and seeing new people come to know Jesus. And so it's kind of like the sheeps move around from one pasture to the next pasture, you know, seeking out the greener grass. Uh, and they go, oh, I like the grass over at this church um, because it's, it's really quick and easy and, uh, and it's just all green and fluffy and nice. And yes, and then and I eat all that grass. I'm like, I've done with this grass. I'm gonna move to a different pasture and I'll eat all their grass over there and consume, consume. And, uh, and then I'm gonna get teaching, great teaching. Yeah, lots of good teaching. I'm gonna get filled up with teaching and knowledge and understanding and yet it's not necessarily producing obedience, which is what Jesus called it expected it to produce. And so I'm big, fat and fluffy. Ah, oh, I'm satisfied. And the world is going to hell, but I don't know because I don't have any non-Christian friends because I just spend time with all of my big, fat, fluffy Christian friends. Ah, oh, it's good. Life is good. Amen. Yeah. It's, see you next Sunday. Obviously, that's not the fullest picture of what Jesus has for us. Amen. And yet, I know I'm being a little bit facetious, but and yet in some cases you look at it and you go, it can be a little bit like that. Yeah. So we need those, those gift sets that are, that are producing and expanding and stretching us and making us uncomfortable in all of the right ways. Yeah, so that the kingdom actually expands, that the culture around us actually starts to change, that the city looks different because we exist in it. Amen? All right. 
So shepherds, they have a role, caring, producing life, nurturing the sheep. Amen. So uh, this is 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So you want some good, healthy character traits. If you are a shepherd of people, this is it. Exercise oversight. That's oversight. That's looking over things. It's not holding on to everything, controlling everything. It's just having sight where you are looking over and, and being responsible in a way. Not under compulsion, but willingly, so joyously, not feeling like I am compelled. I must care for these people and I will die doing so. I will burn myself out because I've got to care for all the sheep. You don't understand, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up, taking on the sufferings of Christ. It's like, no, you're not. You're actually just being over-responsible because you feel like you've taken on too much of the, you gotta let Jesus be Jesus, amen? Let Him be the good shepherd. So again, it's not under compulsion, but it's willingly, eagerly, delightfully. Man, I get to love on these people and I get to, to, to bring them to a place of health and life. Not for shameful gain. So not for personal gain. Again, this is one of those things, if our heart is not whole, then we can start to um, develop relationships where we are receiving from those relationships. Oh yeah, I helped that person, I helped that person, I did this great thing, I did all, and it's all, it actually, you're driven then by what you're receiving, not what the other person's receiving, okay? Not domineering over those in your charge. It's pretty straightforward. If you've been in an environment and you've had leaders, shepherds, pastors domineering over you, they haven't been representing Jesus well. And I'm really sorry about that. And you might need some healing for that. Okay, That's not the role of what... Now, they might feel like I, I, I had to do it because they weren't listening. I had to do it for this reason. I had to do it for that reason. Ultimately, it's just if it doesn't look like Jesus, then it doesn't belong in the community of God and it doesn't belong in our hearts. Amen? being an example to the flock. All right, so you can write that down. 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. If you are a shepherd here, that's some of your healthy cultural outlines. Amen? All right, so they create a healthy and safe relational environment. So in our community, we spend a lot of time um, developing inter, like healthy interpersonal relationships. So we talk about all that sort of stuff. We, and we confront where there's toxicity in relationships. If there's codependence in relationships, we point that stuff out. If there's gossip going on, we, we cut, stamp that stuff out. It's like that can't exist here because that doesn't create safety. That doesn't create life, okay? If I hear from someone, oh, this person said to this person said to this person about you, I'm like, oh, this doesn't help me at all because now I'm gonna have to break your confidence and their confidence and their confidence to go and say, hey, what's going on here? So we take Matthew 18, you go, someone's got an issue with you, you got an issue with someone, you go straight to that person and you have a conversation. So if someone says to me, oh, someone says has got an issue with you, and then I say, then you need to go and talk to that person and tell that person to come and talk to me. Yeah. And if they're like, they're too scared to talk to you, then you can come along too. I don't mind. But, but we've got to do that face to face and try and resolve it. If it doesn't work there, then we bring in other people because the goal is that we might resolve that conflict. Not just keep a thing and then talk to everyone else about an issue. If you're talking to someone else about an issue that you have and you're not talking directly to that person, you're in gossip, you're in sin and you need to stop. Now, it might be a pattern that you need to, to break, but it's not kingdom. It's not the, the way that Jesus told us to do it. But that's the sort of stuff where shepherds would be like, hey, let's, let's not do that sort of stuff. Hey, Let's mature in those ways and have healthy relationships. And it creates a safe environment because we know, hey, if I share something, people aren't gonna come and stab me in the back. People aren't gonna gossip about me behind my back. People aren't gonna say, oh, the church is this and the church did that and the church and the church. Sometimes I, I can hear that language and I'm like, what do you mean the church? Do you mean me? Or, or do you mean Nicole or, or Rod or like, 
Oh, you mean Rochelle? Like, is, who, who's the church? Because I thought we were the church. And you mean the leadership? So, well, who's that? That's people. It's just people who God has called to lead and they've chosen to lay down their life for the sake of others. That's all, that's all that we are. Nothing special, nothing spectacular. Even as the Apostle Paul says, you know, written majority of the New Testament. And what does he call himself? It's just, I'm a servant of all. Like that's what leaders are called to be, just to lay down their lives for the sake of, of others. And so I'm gonna build you up. And it's not about creating this environment where everyone's serving the leader. I don't know, I don't know anyone who serves me. I'm like, because that's, like I, I serve others. And we serve one another. I mean, people love me and people care for me, but I take on the posture of a servant in my life, in my family. Like I don't expect my kids to serve me. I don't have an expect. I don't expect my wife to serve me. We give and we receive freely, but it's the same in the church. It's like we're just all here. We're here to serve Jesus. You want to serve someone? Serve Jesus, and in serving Him, you'll serve others. In loving Him, you'll love others. In giving to him, you'll give of yourself to other people. So they create a healthy and safe relational environment. They create discipleship and growth in maturity. So shepherds are concerned, not just that the sheep have something to eat, but that it's good food and they're growing and they're healthy. They're looking at the sheep, they're saying, man, this sheep's not growing any wool. There's no fruit being produced. It's got sores all over that say, hey, let's, let's enter in. Hey, would you like us to help out with some of that sort of stuff? So they want the sheep to be healthy, not just to be present, not just to rock up on a Sunday, not just to give their tithes, none of that sort of stuff. It's actually like, no, each and every individual is valuable to Jesus. And we care about each and every individual. And I want you to know the cost of that is massive. And especially when people carry people in their heart, it's not just that they feel an obligation, even as it says in 1 Peter, it's not just an obligation. It's like my heart yearns for people's breakthrough. I see the ship. It's like they'll, they'll weep over people who are broken. They'll weep over people who are stuck. And we, we work and we strategize. How can we help people to be free and to walk in fullness of life? But it's a huge cost. And it's even harder when people don't want it. This is a principle from Danny Silk, and he says, you can't work on a, problem's, a person's problem more than they're willing to work on it. Revolutionary, for, for, especially for pastoral, for shepherdy people. I can't be more responsible for you than you're willing to be responsible for yourself. All right. So they value the health of the sheep. They value the internal health. They value their, their, their breakthrough. They value their change, their transformation. So that's kind of the nurturing, caring side of a shepherd. And then there's this protective side, which for me, I think sometimes isn't as, we're not as aware of when we think of shepherds. We think of them just being kind, lovely, gentle. Oh, Jesus, you know, meek and mild. The, oh, the great shepherd. Oh, he just has the, you know, those pictures of the, with a little lamb in his arms. He's stroking it like, oh, you know. It's so nice. Uh, and yet, shepherds are protectors of the flock. So they keep out the wolves. Shepherds are gentle with the sheep, but violent against the wolves. If you imagine, you've got this a group of sheep. Now, again, we might think of sheep in pens, you know, with fences and all that sort of stuff. That's obviously not the kind of shepherding that was going on when Jesus was speaking these things, when Paul was speaking these things. They didn't have fences, they just had fields and they would move from place to place with their sheep. Okay? So then what would they do at nighttime? They'd have to keep an, an eye out for wolves that would come in to try and take the sheep. Now again, are the wolves gonna rock up in the daytime and say, hey, I'm a wolf, just come here to devour some sheep? Well, that'd be easy, <laughs> but they're not. They come in at nighttime, they come in darkness, they come in hidden and secret. Okay, so then again, for the shepherds, they've got to have discernment. They've got to have prophetic sight. You need then the other five so that you're understanding, hey, I've got to, I've got to be able to discern what's going on here. Matthew seven fifteen says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will recognise them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
It's like a tongue twister. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So again, shepherds have that role in the community to be really aware of those who might come in with ulterior motives. Now again, not every single person that comes into a community that maybe have some, have some wolfish tendencies, they're not often aware, okay? Um, and and it, might, it just can just be fruit of their brokenness, that they behave in ways that they draw people aside because they want to have their own little, you know, kind of flock of people who love them. And then they start to, to share maybe teachings that are opposed to the church. They start trying to, to draw people away. They want their own little flock, okay? Because they're wounded, they're broken, okay? And they're not willing, maybe they don't, they're not willing to submit to, to the authority of Jesus or the authority of church leadership, anything like that. And so we understand that there's people who come in and like, they don't even know what they're doing, but it's still happening, okay? And so someone needs to step in and say, hey, I see these kind of behaviours. They don't look like life-giving, healthy behaviours. And so a shepherd will see that and be like, hey, something needs to be done here because this is really unhealthy, the reality is there is also the other side where people will infiltrate churches. Now, this is kind of weird, but people will actively be sent into churches from like witch covens and all that sort of stuff, actively sent into churches to draw people away, to, to bring dissent and division and all that sort of stuff. It's wild. But I'm, I'm saying like st- strategically this sort of stuff happens. So satanic worshippers will say, we're going to take, see this church here, we're going to send people into that place and we're going to do, create toxic stuff going on, okay? So what happens? I haven't necessarily experienced it myself. Maybe they just didn't stick around, who knows? Um, but it, it does happen. So, and that's part of the shepherd's role. So, hey, we're going to see, this is, this is not healthy here. Now, it doesn't mean that every single person is like, hey, you're a wolf, get out. Um, that's not a necessarily a life-giving, loving thing. Um, if people are coming in and they're broken and they're not aware, it's like, hey, we want to we see healing. We want those wolfish tendencies to be broken off of you so that you can come and be a healthy, life-giving little lamb of God. Yeah, so even those coming in with division, even those who, if someone sent, what I'd love is that witch, like covens start sending witches here and they get saved and transformed, okay? So we don't hate, we don't, I don't hate witches. I hate, I hate the devil, but we love people. And if you look at who, who has Jesus called us to love? Everyone. Oh, what about those who are enemies against God? Those two. Uh, love your enemies, you know? So it's, there's no one that doesn't really fit in. They're either for God or they're against God. Jesus loves them and he wants them to be saved. It's not, I'm not necessarily going to give them the microphone to start leading people. We're not going to give them positions of, of, of influence, but man, they need Jesus as much as anyone. Okay? So we're not saying that they're going to be, yeah, let's, you know, you discern a wolf, punch him in the face as they walk in the door and tell him to get lost. I have to say that because that's what some of you are thinking. Okay, lay down the sword. This is Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Shepherds need to be strong to confront discord and dissension in order to protect the community. If, if, if you think of someone as just there, oh, just really nice and sweet and maybe a little bit passive, they're not going to function well as a shepherd. They'll care for the sheep that are there, but as soon as a wolf comes in, psh, you're gone. Amy Talbot. We honor Amy. We love Amy. Amy is uh, director of Lilia Haven. Amy has been to me an example of a shepherd. Okay. Very nurturing, very caring, very loving, just, just exudes that, but also very strong and very direct and very protective. Okay. That's what we need. So she will, she confronts issues when there's issues, relational issues. It's like, hey, that needs to be, that needs to stop. Because that's not Jesus. That's not kingdom, okay? And yet super compassionate. 
Okay? If, we don't, if we have a whole lot of like, shepherds who are just really loving and kind and nice, but they don't confront anybody about anything, you, just don't, you don't get healthy sheep. And then it becomes unsafe for everybody else because they can't be sheep because they're like, well, uh, can I be next to this sheep when it's actually a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah? Is that cool? So shepherds need to operate in the prophetic gifts to discern and confront dangerous activity. It's like a mother bear protecting its cubs. A true shepherd is fiercely protective of their flock. Now again, we're not saying over-responsible, but it's like, hey, these people matter to Jesus. Jesus has, has, has brought these people in and we don't want to lose any of them again to Satan. So the fivefold ministry equips and aligns people. So shepherds equip the whole community to care for the sheep and keep out the wolves. So again, it's everyone's responsibility. So in a fivefold family, we are all responsible for the maturing of the sheep. In a fivefold family, we are all responsible for protecting the sheep. So we all have a role in, in nurturing, creating safety, creating healthy relationships amongst one another. We all have that responsibility. Amen, say, I have that responsibility. All right, to nurture and mature one another. And we all have the responsibility to protect one another. So again, if someone's gossiping, we all have that call from Jesus, Matthew 18, to say, hey, sorry, it just sounds a bit, a bit like gossip. And I don't wanna partake in that. Um, so, but I'd really encourage you to go and talk to that person. Okay. And they say, oh, no, 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 no. You, you, well, you need to talk to them or you need to stop talking to other people because you're only creating death with your words. Okay, so, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go talk to them. Cool, when are you, you going to do that? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Friday, cool. Well, I'll, I'll call you Friday afternoon and, and, and I'll, I'll check in to make sure it's happened and to see how it went. <gasps> I don't want to be a partaker in death. I don't want to be a partaker in division. I don't want to hear gossip about somebody else and then, and then even passively, well, I didn't say anything, be, be part of that because it destroys people's lives. As I've said before, how many churches have been torn apart by that sort of stuff? Gossip and it starts with one person sharing a bit of division, whole churches split, dissolve, all of that sort of stuff because no one was willing to say, actually, sorry, that's... That's not Jesus. Like we're not representing Christ here in this conversation. Can we just stop this thing? Do you know how much that would shift the culture of the church if we just had, I was talking to someone this week and it's even funny, it's like when we look at church unity, maybe in a city or across WA, and we celebrate unity when a whole bunch of different churches of different denominations come together and worship Jesus. And we're like, yeah, unity, wow, miracle, amazing. And it's weird to me because I think, why is it so miraculous that Christians can get along with each other? <laughs> like, really? It's like, yeah, it's like, why, is that, why is that amazing? That like you imagine an outsider going, don't you all worship the same God? Don't you have, have one Lord and like one King, one Saviour? And yet you can't even seem to get along. You're all Christians, right? And you can't seem to get along. It shouldn't be a miracle. It should be normal. It should be basic status quo Christianity is that we all love each other. We're all for each other. We're all celebrating each other. We're all building each other up. We're all supporting and encouraging one another. And who cares if this sheep goes to that flock and that sheep goes to this flock and this flock is filled with a hundred sheep. Oh, this flock only has 20 sheep. Who cares? As long as they've, they're, they're following the good shepherd and they're in a safe place where they're being nurtured and matured and grown, it's fantastic. Let's celebrate that. As I said to you before, you know, when we step into intercession, we might intercede and go up against principalities and powers and all of that sort of fun stuff, isn't it, Nicole? Uh, and, uh, and see the region shifted, the culture, the atmosphere of heaven transformed. We might do all of this work in the crew and all these people become Christians and they never come here and join this church and they join every other church in the city and the region and every other church grows. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because it's not about us. It's not about this church. We're just here doing what Jesus wants us to do. Amen. It's easy. We can take the load off. So 
So again, it's not the role of the few to care for the many. We are all sheep, but we are also all shepherds. We're shepherd sheep. This is Jesus, Revelation 7.17, not Jesus speaking, but speaking of him. And it says, For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we are followers and leaders at the same time. So if if you're just here like, oh, I just love being nurtured. Awesome, because you're being equipped in how to nurture so that you can go and then nurture other people. In every step on your journey with God, we, we must be thinking, what is this unto? I'm just, I'm receiving healing and breakthrough. Awesome. Unto what? Unto that I might help others receive healing and breakthrough. Yeah, it's, got, it's got to be an a, a, a expanding aspect to it. Otherwise, we're just receiving and it stops with us. That, then generations don't get transformed. Cities don't get transformed if it stops with us. So what we're learning when we receive that, it's like, man, that person just loved me and they, they gave me time, they gave me space, they were, just, they, were, they were kind, they were present, they helped me journey through this, awesome. Now I can go and do that with somebody else and see that multiply out, amen? All right, so this word that we, we might use the word pastor interchangeably with shepherd. Uh, I prefer shepherd because it's, we get it, the word pastor kind of, the word pastor gets used in the church uh, in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect Scripture. It's a cultural usage of the language, and we use it here. Guilty, I apologise. It's only because like, people get that. Christians are, oh, cool, that's, that's what that means. Um, so the word pastor is, is the Latin for shepherd. It's kind of where it comes from. The reality is the word pastor is used very few times in the New Testament. Um, how many times do you reckon the word pastor is used to describe like someone in a form of leadership? How many times? Who thinks 20 times? Anyone 50 times? 100 times? 10 times? Five times? One time? One, one time. Wow, one time. Um, Do you know how many times the word apostle is used to represent someone in, in leadership? 82 times. What about prophet? 144 times. But interestingly, we use this word pastor. Now again, I think this is because of some of the paradigm we live in. We have this kind of pastor-teacher environment in the church, so that doesn't help that. But we just kind of use this language, and yet that person who is leading might not be primarily gifted as a shepherd in that way. Do we need shepherds and teachers? And Absolutely, we need all of them. But oftentimes leaders, and so the issue is that people then project their expectation onto that person. So, oh, cool, you're the pastor. That means you're here to meet all of my needs and, and I can take up all of your time and you can listen to me and you can share and we'll just get along and you're going to meet me at the door and give me a cuddle and do all those sorts of things. Because that's what pastors do. That's what shepherds do. That's, yes, they might. Um, but if not everyone is that, maybe you highlight a one of the five, then you might have an expectation and that starts to get challenged. Now, I love people. And I'm, I, I, I like meeting new people. I like connecting with people. I like, I like loving people. It's not necessarily my first thought that comes to mind. I do it because, and it's, and it's costly, but it's because it, you know, it impacts other people and, and we might do that. But we've got to understand that that shouldn't be the dominant gift in the New Testament. If everyone's a shepherd, then everyone will be, might be healthy and happy and get along, but the kingdom ain't going to come. And God's will isn't going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So not every leader is a shepherd in the fivefold sense, but every person is becoming like the great shepherd. So we should all carry shepherd-like traits. So what we don't want is to kind of that excuse, well, I'm prophetic, so I don't, I don't really care for people. <sighs> I'm apostolic, you know. We joked a bit this week, you know, if I, if I do something that's not nurturing and kind, well, sorry, I'm apostolic. <laughs> Can't help you there. I can be a jerk because apparently that's free reign, you know, if you're not the pastor, the shepherd person. No, not at all. It's like if I hurt people, then, well, I care for people and I love people and I don't want to be hurting people. So I care about that. And you might love spending time just alone with, with 
with Holy Spirit in that kind of prophetic space. And you feel like, ah, but I never talk to people. I avoid them at all costs. It's like, I'm not sure in all of the time you're spending with Jesus that you're actually capturing His heart. You might be hearing His voice and He might be telling you, love people. And you're not hearing it. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what it should look like. The more time you spend with the great shepherd, the more you'd be transformed into his nature, the more you want to be loving people. So we, want to be, we don't want to kind of create that environment that says, oh, yeah, oh, you want to be loved on? Oh, that's nice. Go and see that person. Uh, so. It'll be nice. If you're a Christian, you look like Christ. Little Christs. All right, so some of the history in the church is that kind of shepherd-teacher framework understanding. So oftentimes shepherds and teachers, they focus on gathering and preaching. So it's often very Sunday-centric and people aren't necessarily equipped to live in their everyday life. What we wanna have here is a church where you're equipped not just to how to function on a Sunday, but how to function in everyday life. It can become unhealthily more about herding sheep than impacting communities. Okay, because remember, it's like when we gather people together, but then we send them out again and we send them out as shepherds, sheep shepherds. It can be unhealthy when decisions are based around keeping the sheep happy rather than following the Lord into new pastures. pastures. <laughs> we can lead them to new pastures too. You know, shepherds had to keep the sheep moving in order to keep them alive. Because they'll eat all the grass in one space. What are you going to do? Wait for some to die off. I don't know. Lamb chops. But it's not, we've got to keep moving. There has to be a, a movement dynamic. There has to be forward progression. We don't just want to keep people happy. If you're part of this community, you might have been realizing, why are they not keeping me happy? It's because we're not trying to. We want to keep you healthy. We want to keep you holy. But it might mean that we don't keep you happy. And that's okay. Because you're still loved by Jesus. And anything that you might be unhappy about, it's just that Jesus wants to transform in you. It's good. And he's got all the grace and the power and the presence and the availability to do that. So as we said before, in a church where all five are valued and encouraged, there doesn't need to be a battle between the gifts, but rather a partnership to see the fullness of Christ manifest in a community. So if, we, if you're a shepherd and you only care about shepherding things, you don't care about the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic and the teaching, you're not gonna produce mature disciples of Jesus. You might produce shepherds, more shepherds, but that's not the role. It's we want maturity. Okay, we want everyone maturing. All right, so what are some of the marks of a healthy shepherding community? It's a safe place which allows for vulnerability. We need environments where we can be vulnerable and feel like I can be vulnerable in this space and, and I'm safe. I'm not gonna be mocked or ridiculed. I'm not gonna be gossiped about. I can be broken here. I can be unhealthy as I'm on the journey towards health. We don't want an environment where there's, where there's masks and there's cover-ups and there's happy, smiley faces, and yet there's toxicity and brokenness in individuals' lives, in families, in different places. You, you, you are welcome to be raw and real here and expect that someone might come alongside you and help you on your journey, okay? For the imperfect ones here today, uh, you know, like we've got, a, we've got a community of imperfect people. We've got a leadership team of imperfect people. And they're on a journey with Jesus to come more into his wholeness and his fullness. And it's all about submitting to that. And again, you've got a safe place, but there's also in a healthy environment, there's confrontation. There cannot be safety without confrontation. And confrontation is only unhealthy or, or is only unsafe for those who live in darkness. Confrontation feels really unsafe if you want to stay hidden, if you want to stay in darkness. But if you're like, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to grow. I want to be transformed into His nature. I want to live in the fullness of what He has for me. I don't want to live in brokenness and addiction and all of these stuck places. I want to walk in holiness because He's called me to be holy as He is holy. That's, that's what I want. Then awesome. Then someone comes along and says, hey, this part here looks to me like you're not walking in holiness. Hey, this part here, that looks like sin. That looks like brokenness. That looks like you're stuck. And you're like, thank you. Thank you for revealing that to me. 
it's, it's really hurting right now that I've had that revelation. It's actually really embarrassing because I thought that was a positive character trait or I didn't even realise that I've been behaving this way. It's like walking around the whole day with a massive pimple on your, on your nose. And then finally someone tells you, you're like, why didn't the first person that saw me tell me? Uh, would have been so much less embarrassing maybe. But you know what I mean? Like that's when, we're in, when, when our motivation is Christ's likeness, then confrontation is a gift. Not something to be feared, but something to be desired. That might be a radical counterculture for you, but you need to know when people come alongside and they love you, they want to be bringing you into fullness. They're not trying to crush you. They're not trying to drag you down. They're trying to lift you up. So the marks of a healthy shepherding community is that maturity and discipleship is happening. People are growing. That there'd be healthy interpersonal relationships. I've touched on this sort of stuff. And that we'd be looking out for one another, caring for one another. All right, so how can we participate in creating a shepherding community? The first is to follow the great shepherd. Be a good disciple of Jesus. Choose that yourself. Don't wait for somebody else to, to make you a disciple. Choose, I choose Jesus and I'm gonna take that responsibility to follow him. And I'm gonna invite the help of other people on that journey. But if I don't choose it, someone else can't choose discipleship for me. Amen? All right. Love people. Revelation. It's not, you know, this is just this is love people, care for people. Love others more and consider them higher than yourselves. That's radical. That's the way of Jesus. Keep an eye out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Again, you don't have to be sitting there with a sniper rifle, you know, waiting for it to come in, to, but just be aware. Say, that, I'm, I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to stand. I don't, I'm not going to allow that kind of toxicity. If you're hearing gossip, step in. Cost yourself for the sake of the community to not let that stuff happen. And be a, a safe place for people and aggressively protect the hearts and honour of those around you. Be a safe place that people can share with you and aggressively fight for the hearts and the honour of those around you. So that means don't allow dishonour. Don't allow gossip. Don't say, I'm not going to allow that sort of stuff happening in my family because this is your family. As much, it's not my family. It's your family. It's our family. We're all part of this family. We have one father. His name is Jesus. And we're all brothers and sisters. So we're all going to be working together. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> so we want to pray for all of you <laughs> to have your hearts awakened as shepherds, but uh, we also want to pray for those who feel might feel called us. I feel like this is that primary thing. Maybe you've always known it, maybe even just as I've been sharing, you're like, yeah, that, that beats in my heart. We also want to pray and lay hands on you and just activate that, maybe just to a new measure this morning. So as we do that, we're going to pray. And also spend some time even just repenting for, for maybe where we've allowed non-shepherdy things to, to exist in our hearts and our lives. Amen? All right. Why don't you, if you're able to stand, just stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we just acknowledge you, Jesus, that you are the great shepherd. That you are the great shepherd of your church and there is one church, Lord. Right across every nation, there is one church. There is one great shepherd and we are under your shepherdship Lord we are under your Lordship Jesus and we thank you Lord that you are safe we 
thank you, Lord, that you're safe. You're not safe for sin. You're not safe for brokenness, Lord. But you take every part of us, Lord, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you draw us close. We thank you that you've made a way for us, Lord, that we can be safe with you because we can bring every part of us, Lord. Nothing needs to be hidden in your sight because you receive every part, Lord. And Father, what a delight it would be that this community would be a place where the broken can find safety, Lord. Where those who are lost, like sheep without a shepherd might find a place of safety, find a place of nurture, find a place of healing. But that's your desire for your, for your church, Lord. It's the desire for your people, Lord, that we would create that space. Every one of us, Lord, we're invited to, to participate in this. So we thank you, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come now and you would just awaken within us the shepherd's heart. You are in us by your Spirit, which means every part of who you are dwells in us, Lord. And you desire us not to be like a teacher or not to be like an apostle. You desire that we would be like Jesus. And as you are the great shepherd, Lord, that you would make us into great shepherds. Not the great shepherd, but that we would all be great shepherds, Lord. Caring and nurturing for one another. And Lord, we know it starts here, but it flows out into the world, Lord, that we might be a great shepherd to our neighbours. That we might be a great shepherd to our work colleagues, Lord. Our friendship groups. That everywhere that we would go, we would be great shepherds drawing people to the great shepherd, caring for those, creating healthy, safe pastures for people to dwell in. So I say, come Holy Spirit, just awaken that in our hearts. Awaken compassion for those who are lost, for those who are hurting, for those who are broken. And Father, we pray and come before you for, well, Lord, we repent for any way that we individually have, have maybe chosen passivity when it comes to our relationship with one another, Lord, where we have allowed for things to happen in the community, Lord, where we've allowed gossip, maybe where we've participated in it where we've allowed dishonour or maybe we've participated in it, Lord. We repent to You for that, God. Father, where we have not been responsible shepherds of the hearts of other people, whether that be people that we are discipling, people that we're journeying alongside together or over people who are in, in leadership in this church, Father, we repent because our words have power, but they have power to bring life or they have power to bring death. And as we are all fighting that You might be Lord, not just in our hearts, but in this church, in this city, in this region, in this nation and in all the nations, Lord, that we would lay aside ourselves and pursue You. That we would lay aside our preferences in order that Your preferences might be done that we would lay down our will, our desires, and that Your will and Your desires might be fulfilled. So I wonder if you are, if you feel that that's the calling on your life, that you are a shepherd, if that's your primary gifting, we'd love to, to pray for you, pray over you, pray an impartation on you. We value shepherds here. We need shepherds here. And the world needs shepherds because people are lost. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They need the great shepherd and it might be through you 
that they meet Him. So why don't you come forward? We'd love just to pray specifically for you. If you don't feel like that's your primary gift, that's okay. Maybe you wanna come forward and just, you just want more of that in your heart, in your life. But if you, if you don't feel called to come forward, you can just be where you are and pray. Holy Spirit's tugging your heart. It's like to say yes. It's only good things are going to come out of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe if you've had judgment against pastors, shepherds, you might you could deal with that, and then you can come forward, or you can do it up here. Either way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Why don't you just join in us as we pray? for these people. Well, Father, we just thank you for that anointing to shepherd, Lord. We thank you for that gift and that calling upon your people. And we thank you, Father, that as we are all called to shepherd, Father, there is also a calling on each individual to where we'll be dominant in one of those areas, Father. But we just pray, Holy Spirit, come. We just pray an impartation now in Jesus' Name. Father, we pray as well, just a reshaping of our understanding of what a shepherd is, Lord. That, that Father, I break off passivity in Jesus' Name. I break off people-pleasing in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord, because when we people-please, Lord, then we please sheep and we please wolves, Father. We pray, Father, that You would break that off, Lord. Shift that mentality, Father, that there would be a, a fierceness, Lord. I just pray You would stir up a fire of ferocity, Lord, within Your shepherds, God, that might, they might aggressively pursue You and pursue the hearts of others, Lord. We thank You for the gift of the shepherd. And we pray You breathe on it now, Holy Spirit. Awesome. We're just going to lay hands, pray and bless these people. So keep praying, everyone. Impartation, Lord.
So Lord, we thank You that, as it says in Psalm 23, that Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. So we thank You that there is a, there is a leading that You bring and there's also a discipline, Lord. So we thank You just for infusing discipline into Your people, into Your shepherds, Lord. Amen. Hey, you're welcome to keep praying and interceding on behalf of these people. If not, if you're, you're also free just to head out, grab some morning tea, connect with someone new, be a good shepherd. Thank you. Lord.